0: I think, Johnny, if I had to sum up this show, I would say it's a show about love. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. Love is what it's all about. Hello, and welcome to Johnny and Tiggy Walker Consciously Coupling.
0: Now, in this podcast, we're going to be chatting to other couples and finding out how they met.
1: Who did the wooing, or who wooed who.
0: Whether they faced any struggles together.
1: And the triumphs and the joys that they've had.
0: We'll hear about the songs that they love, that they share... And maybe some that they don't.
1: And it's all with thanks to our partner, the Velvetizer, from Hotel Chocolat, barista grade drinking chocolate at home.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to get a new episode every Wednesday.
1: Right, let's get started. Let's. So here we are. This is the final Tiggy and Johnny Walker, or Johnny and Tiggy Walker, uh, consciously coupling for this series. And uh, talk about the next series. We'll get into that at the end of the podcast. Tiggy, how are you?
0: I'm very well, Johnny. And... um It's lovely to be doing this today from my new little shepherd's hut in the garden. So, if people can hear the pattering of rain on the windows or the corrugated iron above, that's what it is. But we thought it was a very atmospheric, romantic, cosy place to do our final interview.
1: A gale has been blowing and still is a bit, but it seems to have quietened down a touch. So any weird noises, sounds a bit like we're on a sort of sailing ship. I, oh I thought it well,
0: out. Johnny, there we go. We're getting back to your
1: roots. Now, on to our guests today. The husband side of the partnership has kind of entrepreneurship built into his genes. His father co-founded Mr Whippy and then sold that and founded Pronto Print, And then he sold that and that enabled the family to go off to Barbados And our guest, uh, Angus, uh, spent his first years from the age of three till nine on Barbados. And they say they're very formative years. And he says that he was tremendously influenced by the way the people on uh, on Barbados lived their life. And and so he became very attached to the West Indies then.
0: Well, it's hardly surprising, which obviously informed his decision years later to actually buy a cocoa plantation. We should actually say, for anyone listening to this call, that Angus Thirlwell is the co-owner of Hotel Chocolat, who are, of course, our sponsors for this podcast, but that is not the reason that we wanted to have them as guests. Angus, we've seen him on five episodes of a Channel 5 documentary on Hotel Chocolat, and he's just an innovative, fascinating, positive Uh, man I think his energy is just fabulous so in that we're trying to do lots of different people um, in this season of consciously coupling it seemed nice to have um, a successful businessman in there
1: Oh, well, we're a season now. you next we'll be on you Netflix. Know,
0: darling, the other day you said I'm going to refer to them as seasons and you went back to series. So I'm keeping the season. Okay. Season one. Consciously coupling. So um Angus and Libby have been married um a long time and Libby is a very bright woman and as uh, well, we will find out more, but seems to be an incredible support to Angus as has been the case in so many of the couples, one one person has been an incredible support to the other.
1: Well, Angus dropped out of university at Sheffield after I think a couple of years, and then he went to sell computer components in France. And the person he was working for said, well, it's an unusual way you have of keeping the customers happy. He said, you're either gonna end up in prison or you'll start your own business one day. <laughs> so uh, the seed was there sown. And um, Angus formed Hotel Chocolat with Peter Harris in 2004. And it's just gone from strength to strength. He's bought a cocoa plantation on St Lucia. He transformed the way cocoa is grown and marketed. He cut out the middleman. In fact, Prince Charles went over to visit uh, the plantation there. So he's doing an awful lot for the environment as well as making a lot of people happy. It's not bad, is it?
0: It's not bad. So, all in all, Angus is just somebody who makes people's lives better.
1: Yeah. Well. It's very similar to a wine grower.
0: Just what there. I was thinking, Johnny. I just wrote that down.
1: Yeah. Wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not because I want any. Yeah. Um, but it's, that is, he has made the lives of so many people on San Lucia better, and he makes people happy through his product. What a lovely thing. So, Johnny. Yes. Shall we
1: ask them in? Yes, let's do that. A very warm welcome to Angus and Libby Thurwell, our final guest on Consciously Coupling and uh, the man who has had an amazing life, but also has been kind enough to sponsor this podcast and make it possible. So we can start off with a welcome and a thank you, Angus.
2: Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Johnny. But I'd like to point out early on that um, it's also Libby who's had an amazing life before um, I walk into the bear trap that you very kindly set for me there.
1: (laughs) We're going to find out all about uh, Libby's life. But Tiggy, do you want to start with our standard opening question?
2: I will
0: indeed. And Angus and Libby, how did you meet? Libby, perhaps you would like to answer that.
3: Well, actually, probably Angus is probably going to kick it off and then I'm going to probably come
2: in because he's got the background as to let me yeah so it'll be mostly Libby narrating it but um, I'm I'm going back to 1980s Sheffield University and um, I was studying French the French department decided to put on a comedy evening as a sketch uh, you know the Miles Kington Franglais sort of series it was mostly 95 percent girls in the French department so I landed an unlikely large role. Uh, (laughs) Then they realized how terrible I was at acting, particularly comedy acting. And the kind of like a plaintive cry went up, God, Angus is so wooden. He's so, you know, he can't act, you know, can't he relax a bit? And one of the girls said, Oh, I know, let's get him some coaching. Uh, In our halls of residence, we have a girl who's doing a postgraduate degree in drama and English. So I, I, I turned up at the Halls of Residence, first time I'd ever actually stepped through the hallowed doorway of you know, the Halls of Residence. That was exciting enough. And then went down the corridor, found, uh, found this, this, this room, opened the door, bosh, there was Libby. Like, there was almost like a spotlight of, kind of glow of, <laughs> of beauty around her and, I, and my mouth was dropped open. Yeah, that's, that's where you could pick it up, Libby. What, what were you thinking?
3: I know so yeah so so this sort of friend of mine had, had asked me if I'd just step in and help her with with this sketch and in to the r- tiny room walks this sort of guy wearing a Guernsey pullover with what looked like a sort of folded up handkerchief tied around his neck and I was sort of thinking oh mm. it's called a neckerchief well and I was thinking it oh, it's a bit strange really because I guess this was 1982 and you know, we'd all been sort of new romantics and punks and, you know, and he sort of seemed very traditional somehow. Yeah, so I, I, so I tried to help them with the sketch. I don't think I did any good. But then I sort of felt that I ought to go along and support and watch the event um, when they're performing in front of a live audience. And it was very funny because there he was in a sort of tweed jacket and tweed trousers and these very old English brogues and I sort of thought oh my goodness
2: they're given to me you know? my, my grandpa as you
3: know <laughs> very thrifty my husband <laughs> very very thrifty <laughs> and you know and, and sort of there he was doing doing this sort of sketch which was which was actually very very funny and his his role fortunately was a sort of very sort of stiff rather awkward Englishman anyway after the after the the event there was a sort of drinks and dancing and I just noticed that there he was because I actually had another boyfriend at the time, I have to be honest. And there he was, at, sort of by my side the whole time. And I, well, I just couldn't shake him off. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how we got together. I just, I just don't. He was just there. And he's been there ever since.
2: Well, I can remember Libby <laughs> saying to me through the evening, um, I've got a boyfriend, you know. And it turned out she'd been uh, going out with this boy for five years. So I, I just had this very strong sense of, um, you know, this is going to happen. I didn't see any kind of obstacles to it. And I, and I just said to Libby, don't worry, I'll, I'll sort all that out. And, you know, uh, in the meantime, should we get some more drinks and let's go and do some more dancing? And
3: uh, yeah. kind of just, just, <laughs> just
2: uh, was determined to make it happen. But it was, I don't know, you, you, you know, you resisted a bit, you, in terms of, I do have a boyfriend. Today. I do have a boyfriend.
3: Must you have know? said that
2: about, <laughs> about 50 times. I did.
3: Yes, I did. But I just felt that he was very different from anybody I'd ever met. I just had this feeling that he was going to go on and do something. Quite different with his life. I just felt like I was in the. You, sometimes you can just sense that you're in the presence of somebody who's got sort of hidden depths and charisma and power. And I just, I was kind of like a, a sort of mesmerised, really. And then before I, before I knew it, I was sort of ditching this boyfriend of five years who wanted us to get engaged. And I just thought, Do you know, I. It doesn't matter whether anything comes of this relationship or not. I'm just going to go into it and just enjoy the moment and how many years is it 33 years or something
2: yeah well you've always been up for an adventure that's one of the great (laughs) things about about Libby I'm you know we're both quite adventure-minded and I don't think many people would have taken taken that leap I'm I'm so grateful you did
3: well I'm very grateful too and you know and we we, I don't know we've been on quite a journey together so we're in sort of Sheffield and at the time it was the miners strike and everything was quite difficult and it was a lot of graduate so I was actually there doing a postgraduate certificate of education a lot of people couldn't get jobs um so I taught myself to type we set off down to London and I had this ancient old golf slept a couple of nights in an underground car park because you didn't have anywhere to stay finally <laughs> signed myself on with a sort of Brook Street bureau and went out and got various te- temp jobs um, and that's really how I got how I got a sort of foot on the ladder with my career. Um, and then I was really, I was lucky enough to get a job in uh, the city at a, an insurance brokers, which stood us in good stead because later when Angus wanted to start the business, I was able to support him through the early years.
2: Exactly, Libby was the big breadwinner for the first few years, at least, and you know we we couldn't have done it any other way. But um, you were a couple of years ahead of me at university, which is why uh you had to get a job and I was just kind of on you know university holidays. But we we got you started in London, and then the next thing was um I, I had to do my French year abroad. Mm. And we managed to uh get to see each other every other weekend. I ended up staying in France two years because I ended up getting a, a job with a company that was going places and it was just too good an opportunity to pass up, wasn't it? it well,
3: was. and we, you know, and it's great going up to France every other weekend and really getting under the sort of skin of the culture. Because is based in a city called Lille, which is in the northern part of France. So, and we both just love France, don't we? We just love the French food and the we, the wine. And
2: we, we took uh, dancing lessons in, with did, a French dance, dancing mistress. Uh, <laughs> and uh it was yeah it was it was, a, it was quite
3: fun we did we tried to learn to do french and um, the rock it was called and i'd done quite a lot of ballroom dancing so in fact actually when i was at sheffield university i was sort of in the ballroom dancing team and so we did all the sort of the university competitions and you,
2: you won the national competition i did
3: it, i did for the, the viennese yeah. waltz and the waltz they were my sort of Things. Anyway, so I I love ball and dancing. We went along to Siroc and it was just completely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't
2: and it? this this um, French dancing mistress, uh, you know, we booked in, and after the first lesson, she said, I, "I can't believe this. This is incroyable. I have in one couple the best person I've ever t- tried to teach, and also the worst person." <laughs>
0: <laughs> angus you definitely weren't destined for the stage
2: were you no exactly definitely <laughs> not
1: angus why was it the person that you worked for in france why did he say of your business technique that you're either going to end up in prison or you're going to start your own business what, what was your unusual way of doing business in france
2: it was a very like a lot of french businesses very hierarchical and I, you know, was an arrogant, uh, you know, young guy who had nothing to lose. And first of all, I spoke to him in a very familiar way, um, used the expression to instead of vu and managed to get away with it because I was Anglo-Saxon. And so I thought, okay, this is quite good. They put me in charge of trying to build an export side to the business. They were very French sort of centric. And they said oh god you know you have a go at trying to export our computer equipment to you know anglo-saxon countries england maybe america you know you, you have a go and i found i could do it they gave me a lot of latitude i mean a lot so i i made some spectacularly good things happen and also in the process some spectacularly bad things and um this uh, french boss used to there used to be a, a vein down the side of his neck and one on his temple that used to throb when he was particularly angry with me and he used to say uh, uh which means you, you know you're 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 pulling the cork you know you you know basically uh you're not gonna explode um so then one particularly particular time he just said oh my god you know you're either going to go to prison or you'll end up starting your own business this is too much so I managed to last two years there and in the end we had one explosive argument too many and I decided it was time to head back to London.
0: Did you decide after that experience with a um, nearly exploding Frenchman that you should work for yourself and set up your own business?
2: Yes I, I uh, had that intention at uh, the back of my mind because um, I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household and my I saw my 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 dad having such a great time, you know, being excited about business, building things. So I think it was ticking away. And then um, when Libby and I got married, we were walking down uh, the beach on our honeymoon it was in, and, Mauritius. in Mauritius. And yeah. Mauritius, and I'd actually managed to land a good job in the front, in the high tech sector in Cambridge. Uh, and after a, after about a year, we were then walking down the beach, and. I just said to Libby, look, I'd I'd like to throw in this job and start start in business with the guy that hired me in the Cambridge high tech business called Peter Harris. Um, And Libby just took it in a stride and said, yeah, let's, you know, let's do it, which is great because it meant going from, you know, quite decent income coming in to zero and relying totally on Libby (laughs) to keep everything going.
1: So Libby, when uh, Angus came back from France to London, is that when the serious kind of wooing went on? And who actually proposed?
3: Angus actually proposed, and we were in, we actually, in, it was actually in France still at that point, it was my birthday and I'd gone over for um, my birthday weekend and completely out of the blue, he, he just took me by complete surprise, wasn't expecting it all, and in fact, funnily enough, at, at the time I'd sort of gone over sort of thinking, I just don't think this relationship's gonna go anywhere. Um, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny, isn't it? And then he proposed, and I just thought, yes, actually.
2: I mean, timing is everything. And um, yeah, I remember walking down looking for a ring in mm. Lille and uh, we, could, we couldn't we could afford a very nice ring, but it was uh, quite solid. It was,
3: yeah, yeah, but it was, yeah, it was beautiful and it was just, you know, it just summed up the moment and it? it was all just yeah. completely spontaneous then he came back and got this job in Cambridge and we got married a year after that so I was was quite surprised I I wasn't surprised in a way that he wanted to start his own business but when we were on our honeymoon I was sort of surprised how quickly it had had come round, and I sort of thought oh goodness (laughs) married now he's going to come back he's going to hand in his notice and we're going to have no income oh well how, Libby how long because it takes a bit of investment getting a company going
0: how long was it before an income started coming in from Angus's new business?
3: I think we were quite lucky actually I think probably after the first year we were able to take a sort of you know a very basic salary out of it because Angus's business partner Peter he was married and had a child so you know that was an even bigger step for them I mean at least I had a, a good job um, in London so it was a it was a bigger step for them to take but i mean all sorts of things happened along the way um you know which they do when you're starting up a business we were the sort of product was it wasn't chocolates then it was little tiny peppermints um wrapped with company's old logo called the mint marketing company Um, and angus and peter were going to get a machine to wrap peppermints well it was, it was a machine that was adapted from some other purpose. Well, of course, it didn't work, did it? And they had, by that time, sort of orders for 5,000, 10,000 packs. We had to get all our friends in to come and wrap these things by hand and glue, cut it, glue the little packets um, to, to fulfil the first couple of orders. So I'd be coming home from work on the train um, and then sort of going into this sort of little business unit that they had and sort of working all night, helping pack up the peppermints, so we sort of survived that first bit and, th- and then we contracted it out and, and got somebody else to do it because the machine the machine just yeah. never
2: worked I think it was, a, it was a great test of um you know our, our um, resilience and the DNA sort of in the, in the business and our marriages you know because Peter had to uh you know kind of explain the same business problem to Edwina his wife and we all worked together as two couples bringing loads of friends in And many, many good things, as I subsequently learned, start off with an enormous disaster. It's like, you know, (laughs) the old adage that uh, no plan survives first engagement with the enemy, you know, no battle plan. It was a pretty um, hard lesson at the time, but we all felt so good when we delivered those mints and invoiced them and got paid, Um, and it was like, wow, we can do anything now we've pulled that out of the you know the jaws of complete defeat and humiliation to make it happen
3: mm. yes and that's happened several times <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now the wife or partner somebody running their own business often gets neglected because in order to make a business work you've got to devote so much time and energy to it was it a problem for you that how busy Angus was Libby
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it was certainly very, very challenging, particularly when the children were small. And also when Angus and Peter sort of started um, direct to consumer and we, we had a company called Chock Express um, and particularly Christmas, really busy, busy time of year, everything would always go wrong. There'd be a problem with either sort of getting the names and addresses off the computer or, you know, they'd sort of oversold the stock or people couldn't pack. So on the run up to Christmas, it was a nightmare because Angus would be working all night in the factory, sort of, you know, packing all the stuff themselves. Angus would come home on Christmas Eve. Oh, I'm so tired. And, you know, of course, we're all there ready. You know, it's Christmas. The children are ready. Then he'd be ill.
2: I normally get flu immediately. Yes.
3: <laughs> I mean, it was just yeah, completely manic. And I think you, I think also when you do these things, you realise how resilient you are. You know, you become yes. stronger as a result, don't you? You sort of, you know, and you, you sort of get through these things, and yeah, you just become a stronger person. We've got a
2: phrase: "There's never an ideal time for anything," and we've been saying that increasingly to uh, to Fergus and Phoebe because they come from a generation where everything is more sort of planned and we've been saying to them look you know it's it's going to be a car crash you're going to end up having multiple things piling up on top of you but you'll get through you're young you're resilient you're you know you're capable of way more than you think in terms of number of things you can do at the same time it's Mm -hmm. a it's an expandable concept particularly when you're when you're that age Um, I wouldn't like to take it on now would you?
3: No I think I think things are much tougher actually now for the young. Would you
0: say uh, Libby and Angus that actually for the kids because as they've grown up you know you did hit success Angus you have done brilliantly with Hotel Chocolat and they've seen a very successful father, Um, they've seen sort of quite good financial rewards eventually coming through after a lot of hard work do you think that's quite hard for them because they that's what they have seen around them is just a lot of success
3: well actually in a way yes and no because actually what they've seen is a lot of very hard work and you know sort of times when the businesses sort of looked as though it was going somewhere then we've had to retrench and pull back and sort of when Fergus took the scholarship in the choir that was a moment in time we had literally expanded um, and then had to cut right back because we just weren't making any money and we were making a loss and in fact Angus had to unfortunately let a whole load of people go on Christmas Eve one year which was absolutely horrendous.
2: Worst year ever. Worst
3: year, worst you know so they've sort of lived through all that and you know at the time when they were sort of young and then and teenagers both our children um, got music scholarships to their their schools and at, at the time, we actually we we actually needed them to 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 do that, didn't we? So we, you know, so they so they kind of
1: well, they,
2: they put had their own a, path. We had other alternatives. They could have, you know, we mm. could have, uh, you know, not allowed them to follow their musical dreams. But as it turns out, both of them were very musical and wanted mm. to to go to schools that had reputations for music. And the only way of doing that would be if they landed a couple of big scholarships, which they thankfully did. So everybody was anyway pulling together mm. and. and yeah. they, They've seen from the inside what, what, it, what it takes, you know, the, the joys, the pits of despair. They, you know, we've had an exciting family life, I think, when mm. they've been growing up. There's never been a dull moment. No. And um, both of them have chosen to, to, to go down a creative route. Um, Fogus, as you know, uh, musician, singer-songwriter, and Phoebe, we're very proud of her. She's set up a, um, a food business that's all about wellness and, and health mm. through... Um, um organic um, vegetable and fruit shakes which make it really convenient for people to to have at home so they they're, they're both carved out their own uh, areas and they're now in, in the throes of that similar exciting you know scary adventure of you know a bit of a bit of success one day and then the other day the next day being sort of temporarily demoralized with a big kickback but they've seen that if you keep going and you're relentless you will succeed in the end, you have to, yeah, and you can adapt to your way to success as well, but if you're determined and you're and you're bright and you don't have some terrible catastrophe happen, you will in the end succeed
3: and there's a lot of bumbling around as an entrepreneur, you try various things, things don't work, you sort of retrench, you start again, you it's a kind of a development, yeah, isn't it, so I suppose that's you know, and they've seen that, they've seen us work incredibly hard, um, and I think really the, the success has come when they were actually mm. more grown up, as they're sort of getting into their late teens, early 20s, when they actually saw things start to pay off, and it's quite a long journey.
2: But now they can, I think they can clearly see that, you know, now the business is it's gone from being um, more dependent on the individuals, and it's more, it's a brand, and there's a whole army of talented people now who are who are working to innovate and and you know and, and make the Hurt products happen um and uh, we, had, we had a bit of paper on the on the on the table and um, Phoebe my daughter saw it and it said VBU you know definition uh blah 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 and and she said well you can tell when a business is becoming medium-sized when you have to use acronyms and then you have to define what they are for everybody to understand them.
1: (laughs) Well, anybody who's seen those documentaries that went out on Channel 5 about Hotel Chocolat, very sad time Christmas Eve when you had to let staff go. But the staff that you've gathered around you now, working in in retail outlets and, and also at the factory, they're all fantastic people and they all seem to be having a great time working for Hotel Chocolat. And... It's obviously, a, it comes from the top. So it's a lot to do, I don't know much about Peter, Angus, but it's a lot to do with your good self. And you strike me as somebody who would, A, never lose his temper and always manages, you know, not not to lose his rag with the staff or in a situation. And I remember there was once in New York when you're opening a new store and you're giving away free samples on the street and the fellow who's erecting the sort of billboard thing on the, on the pavement mm-hmm. sidewalk, it upside down (laughs) and you said well if if that's the worst thing that happens to us today we're going to be all right so you you obviously always look for the positive
2: yes I think I think um, I think that's that's sort of important in in leadership and uh, certainly you know behind the scenes we're all obviously looking at risk and uh, trying to make sure we don't navigate the business into a really bad place or anything and and that was a real lesson that particular year when we'd spectacularly um, you know got it wrong but that was a long time ago it was more than more than a decade ago and we've had the arguably the biggest business challenge of all happening in the last you know year 18 months which is this global pandemic and at the beginning we 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 said whatever it takes we're going to keep the Huda Chocolat family together um, through this and we're not going to make any knee-jerk reactions, we're not going to lay people off, we're going to keep the whole Hota Chocolat family together. And I was, I, we felt an important thing to say because the the way uh, the anxiety was building through the daily, you know, newscasting about statistics and, you know, everybody was in a very mm-hmm. heightened state of anxiety and, you know, if you can at least have a, a, a bit of, um I suppose support from from the you know the, the business you're you're in then that goes some way to taking one of the anxieties away. Um and we've we've come through it and we're we're in a good position and we lived lived to our word. We haven't laid anybody off um through th- you know because of the pandemic.
0: Did you find that people turned to chocolate to cheer them up?
2: Um thankfully we <laughs> did and, and that that was one of the other things I did. <laughs> well, we well we we did definitely. Um, <laughs> Libby, Libby, Libby has um, come round. I mean, at the beginning of our relationship, it's true you weren't much of a chocolate eater, were you? Well,
3: a little bit. Not by not, any standards. Not, not standards, but, you know, he does consume quite a lot of chocolate. <laughs> and,
2: yeah, and, and there's basically a, a mantra you say to Libby, which was, look, you've got to embrace the cocoa lifestyle. And, you know, Libby used to laugh about it and say, look, you know, it's no way I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do it at my own pace. Thank you very much. And then little by little, we've now got the point where Libby has to have a hardcore 100 percent cocoa water based drink with a pinch of chili uh, every day. Mm. And she voluntarily asks for it (laughs) or makes it herself. Adieu. So we, we've got to, to cocoa lifestyle nirvana in the end after 30-plus years.
3: I do. I
1: think I heard you run out of chocolate in the house. And Libby goes, what on earth's going on here? we got no chocolate in the house. You're a hotel of chocolate.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, normally it ends with, what's the point in being married to a chocolatier if you can't keep chocolate in the house?
3: man. No.
0: <laughs> You've answered one of my questions and it was going to be what is your favourite flavour of the Velvetizer drinks? Because you do so many, but it's the hardcore 100% no sugar, not even made with milk. That is amazing. Mm. And Angus, I knew you drank that, but Libby.
2: Yeah, and it makes you feel, I mean, the key message really is it's all about the cacao. And we totally accept that it takes a long time to calibrate your taste buds to liking mm. 100% and you know there's no sense of elitism associated with it it's it's all personal preference using the minimum amount of sugar that's necessary to make the drinks delicious means that the whole power of the cacao can come through and I mean the reason you like it is it makes you feel powerful and great doesn't it
3: yeah it does and I think it's it's, it's a very close um, where, replication of what they call cocoa tea in St Lucia, um, which I just love having when I'm over there. And it's a sort of, and, and, and you can, we often have it made with water and it's a sort of spicy and warming and comforting and it's absolutely delicious to have at breakfast.
2: Yeah, it's, it's basically cocoa beans that have been ground up in quite a low impact, low industrialised way. And when you we can make it in your, in, your, in your kitchen, you know, you just get some cocoa nibs in a pestle and mortar and you grind them up for long enough. And the, and the friction creates heat, which means that the cocoa butter is released and then you end up with a lovely brown sort of liquid. And you, if you just set that that, that, that is basically the beginnings of chocolate. And you can also melt it into water and make a delicious drink. Uh, you get little nibbly bits of of cocoa, Ooh, which actually Libby, I
3: love those.
2: They're, they're the bits you <laughs> <be> like scoop, <laughs> I do. scooping out of the bottom of a cup with a teaspoon. Yes,
3: and I scoop them out of the velvetizer with a with a spoon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned the word cacao, Angus. What does that mean?
2: Basically, it's it's um, the same as as cocoa, um, and there's there's a choice of which word you want to use. Either cocoa is more West Indian and UK, but it also means a cocoa drink as well as the agricultural cocoa bean. The the term uh, cacao theobroma is the botanical name for the cocoa tree. Americans uh, and some of the markets that we're developing prefer to use the term cacao. So I've sort of trained myself to use, use that term instead. But actually, they're totally, in, in, you know, interchangeable. There's no, uh, no no, kind of rules set yet.
0: I just want to say, Angus, when we watched the Channel 5 documentary and watching you in the tasting room where you all sit there with a yes or a no card as to whether you like something, it's very clear that you have an exceptionally good palate. Now, is that something that you have developed with experience or did you always have that great ability to taste differences in foods or drinks?
2: Um, I've always been interested in foody things for sure, Tiggy, but I, I think I've developed the ability to focus and um a very simple technique as well, which everybody can use, but and this is for any type of food or any, any drink. If you uh do an experiment of uh putting something like a, a basil leaf in your mouth and you, you chew it up, you you can very quickly detect the taste of basil. But if you do the same thing and you pinch your nose, you can't taste a thing and you and that that's the most graphic example of it's all in the um up here. it's the olfactory called the olfactory system the nasal passages where taste is really decoded by the brain and so when you're tasting something it's quite important to let the flavors develop in your mouth and then breathe breathe sort of in in your mouth over the top of whatever it is you're tasting then expel the air through your nose and then you're focusing your your brain on on uh, on, on on the tastes that that, that, are, that are going on it's a bit like meditation you have to get yourself in the right mindset of closing your mind to other things and just expelling uh, the air over your nose slowly and consistently and all the flavor notes separate and and kind of ventilate and you can you know be quite articulate and um you know impress people with that with that party mm-hmm. trick johnny
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's switch over to music now. Is there a song that you love, Libby, that uh, Angus can't stand?
3: Well, he, so I absolutely adore musical theatre, um, and I love I love opera as well. But I I'd sort of I'd, I think I'd have to say um, it's a, a piece of musical theatre, and what he finds really difficult is, you know, the recitative bit. Um, so I, I sort of thought of the song, of wouldn't it be lovely from My Fair Lady, because it actually starts off with quite a, a bit of restative, you know, where sort of one person is saying, "Shall I put the kettle on. No, I'd like sugar with my tea. You know, that, that sort of thing. And it sort of goes on for a bit. That and he just eats sort of like, oh, <laughs> when <laughs> will yeah. they get to the main aria? I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> so
1: you wouldn't take angus to a musical then
3: <laughs> but i, I I've, I've tried to sort of indoctrinate him well educate him slowly um but yeah so i'm sort of get, i'm getting into it a, a bit more but but i just love it and i know there's sort of some things you know like he, um, i took him to see only fools and horses and he loved that because he found that sort of quite accessible um <laughs> but <laughs> But, you know, there's others where I, I would just go to
2: with a girlfriend. Now. But and I think that's probably it, isn't it? Well, yeah, and there's a bit of a story <laughs> about it, only fields and horses because um, Libby had a major birthday during the pandemic that we had to cancel. We'd organised to get loads of our friends, have a big uh, celebration. We couldn't do it in the end. And then um, there was a little window of time when we're, we were allowed, all of us allowed to have people in the garden. So I um, had noticed Libby following one of the stars of the Only and Horses um, musical uh, called Oscar Conlon Morey, right. who's a real young rising star. Anyway, so I started following him on Instagram and then I got in touch with him and said, look, would you would you come and do some songs in our garden? We'll invite some friends because I, I knew these guys weren't working. All the theatres were closed. They'd be having Um, you know not much money coming in I thought here's a win-win you know we could basically organize this and he came back and absolutely charming and he brought one of the other stars um, Pippa Duffy Duffy, and they they put on a complete uh, sort of show of about five or six of the of the real Mm -hmm. winning songs from from that and blew it away I mean it was great and they earned a bit of money Libby was very pleased with me it was
3: it was magical. There was one moment in the summer when you could have, I think it was sort of up to thirty people in your garden, socially distanced, and so we had about twenty of us, and it was it was just amazing. It was yeah, so incredibly special. That's really lovely. Now
0: Angus, is there any music you
3: love that Libby
0: hates?
2: Anything that's uh, in her terms a bit shouty. So it ranges <laughs> from um, things like Chuck Brown, uh, you know, which. How can anybody not like Chuck Brown being, mm. you know, being a bit shouty? But <laughs> probably the extreme is uh, some of some of the punk. Um, and I've picked out in particular um, "Suspect Device" by Stiff Little Fingers, which I just loved. I, I, just, I, I played it once to our children to start to play them in, and it made them both cry immediately. <laughs> that's the. That's the- <laughs> I started too young. they probably, I think, I was about six and eight, and I put it on, and they and they both burst into tears. <laughs>
0: now, what about songs that you would dedicate to each other, Angus? What song would you dedicate to Libby?
2: Well, I mean, we're obviously huge fans of uh, Fergus, and um, the, the the singer that really tugs Libby's heartstrings the most, and she's most proud of, us is Fergus. And I'm going to pick Young Tonight from his. Uh, current live EP um, which is live from uh, Riverley boardroom and Young Tonight's just a great song it's um, all about that feeling of release and and throwing yourself on the world that sense of adventure which Libby definitely has and um, anyway that's my dedication to you.
0: (laughs) Oh so lovely to choose your (laughs) son's music but Fergus is extraordinary he's absolutely unique and to people listening, he did make the music for this podcast, yes, which we were very grateful for. He did; yeah. he took our brief and did it beautifully, spot on, first time.
1: Libby, what about your song that you dedicate to Angus?
3: Well, Angus has always loved Simon and Garfunkel. And there is one song in particular which I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. It's Keep the Customer Satisfied, um, because <laughs> that just sums up his mission really he wants to make people happy he wants to um you know sort of make the hotel chocolate customer satisfied
2: not just the hotel customer exactly Um, it's probably probably the least um simon garfunkel-esque of of their sort of you know songs it's less melodic and it's got a really um great sort of trumpet and brass line in it that is it can't help but make you break out in a sweat mm. when you listen to it it's it's sort of big band loads of um brass action I mean it's it's just so exciting it makes my heart beat faster when I listen to that song
3: and when I first yeah. met Angus he had a trumpet he actually his mother had actually bought him a trumpet he couldn't play it couldn't play a note on it but he had this trumpet and he you know and he was always saying oh you know if I would just like to do that bit <laughs> to be the one that stand, <laughs> the
2: one that stands up <laughs> and goes Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> but it's not to be yet. I'm still still hopeful. There's still
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> now this has all been so positive. Let's get some negatives in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <What> <laughs> because we are you you're doing this now? on Zoom. And when Angus was relating the singers in the garden, uh, and he said, I really pleased Libby. And there's a huge smile on Angus's face. So he obviously he loves to please you. Uh, Libby, what does he do that displeases you?
3: Oh. oh, where do I start? He's he's always got a million things going on in his head and, and trying to do so many things at a time. So at home, he's quite untidy. And so uh, because he'll sort of, he'll be doing one thing, thinking about something else, and he'll sort of, he'll come into my kitchen and he'll sort of completely lay waste everything. And there'll be sort of a, all the pans out, you know, several cups, plates, everything, all the sort of remnants of his breakfast will be, and I have to do, I have to tidy up because I like to, I like to sort of organize and, and clear as I go, whereas you know Angus is just he's just a, he is absolutely a mile a minute so I do find myself sort of sweeping up behind him and uh, and I was to say to friends that he's sort of going along throwing out all these things over his shoulder and I'm behind catching them thinking oh right okay that yes and that
2: <laughs> it's true I mean you really adopt the role of being the senior, CEO of the family um, and I'm sort of like I don't know maybe the creative director of the family or something but Libby actually organizes everything takes care of all the money um the, the any any kind of administration legal things looking after our house um, organizing the support for the children ah, i know exactly yeah. so i'm i'm kind of you know lucky to be able to uh, marshal my thinking on, on on my projects but i i certainly couldn't do that without without that support
1: i'm very much in the same position that Tiggy is fantastic and taking care of all that boring stuff uh, to enable me to think about what I'm going to play in my next radio show now we get to a very exciting part of the podcast when we're actually going to give away to one of our listeners a Velvetizer gift pack and all those that have entered via Twitter and Instagram uh, we've given all the names on a piece of paper to Angus and I wonder if you could possibly pick a winner for us please
0: no, Angus has got his eyes closed. Yeah, They've both so got just, their eyes closed. Their fingers yeah. going to a light on a name.
2: So it's Sharon Adair.
0: Sharon Adair. Well, wow. Sharon, if you're listening, I will start following you on Twitter. So I can, you can send me a private message, and we will get your address and send that off to you. And well done. I'm very sorry to the man, Ian, who suggested the idea because he didn't win. Never <laughs> mind, Ian, maybe if we do another season. <laughs> well, thank you for, for providing the velvetizer um, for that, Angus. I'm, I'm sure Sharon will, will change her life. It's changed ours. I've just got to say, I think you two are um, an amazing couple. You're a real team, and that's very evident. So just for the final question, this is for you, Libby. What advice would you give to people... For making a successful couple,
3: well, <laughs> I think I think having a sense of humor really helps. Just seeing the fun side of life, really, and being tolerant and not make, not making judgments, <laughs> not making judgments. Seeing <laughs> the funny side, yeah. yeah see, you know, just seeing the lighter side, seeing the funny side of things, um, and trying. I mean, I think it's good to sort of sometimes lose your temper with people a bit if they've sort of really annoyed you but I think it's it's not good to bear grudges and I think that it's better to sort of have a bit of emotion and let it all out and then make up and you know then I think you you know you've got a good re- a good recipe for yeah longevity
2: I think yeah that's it get it don't brood on mm. things and get it out in the open it's got to be a healthy thing but that applies to all organizations as well as marriages I mean you know basically it's it's never good to bury something you feel strongly about it's much better to talk as humans and work it out and
3: i mean there's compromise isn't there and there's give and take and i think you know just seeing the lighter side
1: well thank you so much for being our guests on this the final edition of our podcast and congratulations both of you on helping create a wonderful business that brings happiness to people and also for uh, having a wonderful relationship which is obvious and seeing you two smiling all the time <laughs> and can we
2: can we just say that you know you two are absolutely you know a a couple with amazing chemistry and we you know we we we've got to know you a bit and we've seen you many times and you've got something really magic there as well and congratulations on on this podcast it's it's a great subject and we've really enjoyed listening to um, to all the guests and you know your your interview techniques really really
1: provoke very interesting discussions
3: Mm. you're a great team a great double act
1: thank you very much indeed i think we'll end it there (laughs) 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 thank you both very much
0: thank you angus Thank thank you libby lovely to see you
3: both
1: well what a way to end consciously coupling
0: I think, John, it was your idea right at the beginning of this series that we... Sorry, it was your idea right at the beginning of this season that we <laughs> should end with Angus and Libby, and I'm so glad we did. It was lovely to hear about a couple, you know, one of who, whom is a successful entrepreneur. True, everybody thinks, oh, aren't they lucky they've just done so well? But look at the trials and tribulations they've gone through, and Libby has been just the most electric and wonderful support. Very bright. Clearly she is anxious sounding board and I think they, they make a really inspiring couple together They'll I really be. love that I would have loved to have gone on and on talking to them
1: Yeah they are amazing uh, Well it's been great having them on uh, The winner again of our Velvetizer competition is Sharon Adair and Tiggy will be in touch Sharon So
0: Johnny we've interviewed 12 couples over the last 3 months Have you learnt anything?
1: Yes I've learned a great deal And Livy was very good in what she talked about, um, you know, they were the first couple we actually asked for any advice on having a successful relationship. And she immediately grabbed Angus by the arm and sort of, you know, got very close to him. And the advice she gave, I think, was was very good about having a sense of humor, um, about bringing things out in the open rather than, you know, nursing them unsaid.
0: So, Johnny, just to say, I think over the last 12 weeks, I've learned a huge amount, especially from there have been a lot of... In most cases, there has been one person who's more the the leader the, in the public eye or ear and one person who's been more in support. And clearly, I'm the person who's more in support. But I've been... So, I've been very fascinated by the more supporting roles. And I've been so impressed with all of them, uh, their, you know, their selflessness or their strength or their attitude... Uh, it's fascinating to see why marriages or partnerships work because they're great teams working together. And I've, I have learnt a lot.
1: And the other fascinating thing is almost all the couples, the moment they met, they knew that the other was the one for them. It was uh, all really sort of love, love at first sight, or if not love at first sight and knowingness that this person was really going to be special in my life. So there we go. We're going to take a break for the summer and we hope to be back with a second season of Johnny and Tiggy Walker consciously coupling in the autumn. So look out for us then.
0: And thank you very much to all of you who listened in and for all your gorgeous comments. Very much appreciated.
1: And thanks again to Hotel Chocolat, makers of The Velvetizer, for sponsoring this podcast. And as Angus has explained, The Velvetizer is an amazing machine that makes barrister-grade drinking chocolate at home. Take very good care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.